Lesson 10 for June 1 through to 7, Little Times of Trouble, read by Dr. Percy Harold. Sabbath afternoon, June 1. Before we start, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we open your word again this week in expectation that your Holy Spirit will guide us to see more of what you have in store for us. This week our lesson is about some of the little times of trouble that occur in our lives. And as we think about them and think about how you would handle situations, we pray that we will not only give ourselves to you, but trust you implicitly because we know that you are faithful. Bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our memory text this week is Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Let's read that again. Ephesians 4 verse 26. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Even the best of homes will face times of struggle, times of conflict. It's just one of the facts of life in a fallen world. Simple things such as whose turn it is to take out the trash, whether your teenage daughter finished her homework, whether your son has done his chores, are bothersome but relatively minor issues that can generally be resolved with minimal disruption. But other issues can threaten to disrupt family life. The mother-in-law, whose abuse and manipulation threatens to destroy a woman's marriage and her health, the father with mental illness who abuses his children, the son who abandons all his religious upbringing to give himself to a promiscuous lifestyle, or the daughter who becomes a substance abuser. Repeatedly in the New Testament, we are told to love one another. John 13 verse 34, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And Romans 12 verse 10, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honour giving preference to one another. To live in peace and harmony with one another, Romans 15 verse 5. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus. And Hebrews 12 verse 14. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. To be patient, kind and tender-hearted toward one another, 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. To consider others before ourselves. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3 Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself and to bear one another's burdens, as we read in Ephesians 4 verse 2, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Of course, all this is easier said than done, even with our own family members. In this lesson, we will look at some ways to help mollify little times of trouble, especially in the family.
Sunday, June 2. Conflict. Question. Read Matthew chapter 7, verse 5, and Proverbs 19, verse 11. What two important principles can help us avoid conflict with others? Matthew 7, verse 5. Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And Proverbs 19.11 The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. The writer of Proverbs makes a very astute observation. The start of an argument is like a water leak, so stop it before real trouble breaks out. Proverbs 17 and verse 14 Once again, a conflict can become incredibly hard to shut down. According to Romans 14.19, we can prevent conflict by following after two things, that which makes for peace, and that with which one may edify another. How much more so are these principles crucial to harmony in the family? Sometimes, when you admit your responsibility in a conflict, it may cause the other party to soften. Those with good sense are slow to anger, and it is their glory to overlook an offence. Proverbs 19, verse 11. At the same time, consider what difference this is going to make in your life in three days. Better yet, what impact will it have in five or ten years? How many marriages, for instance, have had difficult times over issues that today seem so trivial? Instead of letting conflict drag on for a long time, as you speak with the other person, a spouse, a child, a friend, a co-worker, you may want to clearly define the problem or issue under discussion and stay on the immediate topic. Conflict often deteriorates when the issue that started the conflict gets lost in angry words. Meanwhile, past issues or past hurts are tossed into the mix. This can be deadly, especially to a marriage. One way to have a better and softer start to the discussion is to affirm your relationship. Let the other person know that you care deeply about them and about your relationship. Once you've stated your positive feelings, you can move to the issue at hand. However, be careful not to use the word but. Stating a positive thought and then saying but negates what you just stated. Once you share your feelings, listen to the other person's perspective, reflect on what he or she has said, and only then propose a solution that keeps everyone's best interest in mind. We read this in Philippians 2 verses 4 and 5. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. That brings us to the end of today's lesson. Think back about some conflicts that now appear so silly and meaningless. What can you learn from those experiences that could help prevent, at least from your side, something similar from happening again? Monday, June 3, Some Principles for Marriage.
Marriage, like the Sabbath, is a gift of God to humanity that goes back to Eden. And, as Seventh-day Adventists, we know what the enemy of souls has done and is still doing to both the Sabbath and to marriage. Even the best of marriages are, at times, going to suffer from conflict. What follow are a few principles that can help couples work through these issues. Question, read Ephesians 1, verse 7. What crucial principle is found here that must be part of any marriage? Ephesians 1, beginning at verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. You must learn to forgive, especially when your spouse doesn't deserve it. Anyone can forgive the deserving. In fact, that's hardly forgiveness. True forgiveness is forgiving those who don't warrant it the way the Lord forgives us through Christ. We must do likewise. Otherwise, our marriage, if it survives, which isn't likely, will seem like purgatory. Question. Read Romans 3.23. What crucial principle is found here as well? For all have sinned and fall short, of the glory of God. You must accept that you're married to a sinner, to a being who has been damaged to some degree emotionally, physically and spiritually. Get used to it. Accept your spouse's faults. Pray your way through them. You may have to live with those faults, but you don't have to obsess over them. If you do, they will eat you alive. A holy and perfect God through Christ accepts us as we are. You, who are hardly holy and perfect, must do the same with your spouse. So to finish today, read Philippians 2, 4-8. What important principle here, as well, can we use that can help us not just in marriage, but in all potentially troublesome relationships? Philippians 2, beginning at verse 4. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. And, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross." Tuesday, June 4, The Role of Anger in Conflict Who hasn't experienced anger at one point or another? What makes it harder is when that anger is directed at a family member. Along with refusing to forgive, anger can turn into a poison that will wreak great pain and suffering on the home and family and relationships in general. Question, read Ephesians four twenty six and 27 and Ecclesiastes 7 verse 9. How can we balance our understanding of anger as an emotion and anger as a sin? What is the difference? Ephesians 4 beginning at verse 26. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. 
nor give place to the devil. And Ecclesiastes 7 verse 9, Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. If you're angry about something, instead of letting it hover like a dark cloud over your life, turn it into something positive. Pray for those who hurt and abuse you, forgive them, and become a blessing to them. It probably won't be easy at first, but when you make the decision and stick with it, God will take care of the rest. Sometimes the root of anger stems from the homes we grew up in. Angry people often come from angry families because they learn from their role models and carry on the same behaviour in their own lives, eventually passing it on to their children. At times, anger may be the result of unmet needs or due to jealousy, as was Cain's case, which led to the murder of his brother. You may have a good reason to be angry, but don't use it as an excuse to stay that way. Don't deny it or try to justify it. Instead, ask God to help you deal with it in a positive way. The Apostle Paul gives us good advice in Romans 12.21. Don't let evil defeat you, but defeat evil with good. And so to finish today, we all have things that anger us, even to the point of pain. And in some cases, we probably are justified in that anger. The question is, how can we through the power of God, not let that anger make us and others around us miserable. Wednesday, June 5 Conflict, Abuse, Power and Control Sometimes unresolved conflict and anger may develop into a very negative, destructive dynamic, even an abusive relationship. Abuse can take a number of forms, physical, verbal, emotional, psychological, sexual, etc. But any form of abuse is contrary to the central principle of God's kingdom, unselfish love. Question, what crucial teachings about relationships are found in 1 John 4, 7 and 8 and Colossians 3, verse 19? 1 John 4, 7, let's read. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And Colossians 3.19, Husbands, love your wives, and do not be bitter toward them. That verse reads in the New International Version, Husbands, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them. The word harsh in the original Greek language refers to one's being angry or bitter toward the partner, causing continued pain, intense hostility, and expressions of hatred toward the other. Paul is very clear that a spouse is not to be hostile or violent. Emotional, sexual and physical abuse is not acceptable behaviour for a Christian husband or partner. Instead, what is acceptable is to love your spouse. Paul also makes it clear that love is patient and kind, and that love does not envy, does not boast, is not proud, is not rude, is not self-seeking. 
is not easily angered, does not keep record of wrongs, does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. None of the attributes of love even remotely condones or accepts abuse in any way, shape, or form. A healthy relationship is one in which both partners feel protected and safe, in which anger is managed in a healthy way, and in which serving one another is the norm. Often victims of abuse feel guilty as if they were responsible for provoking their abuser, or that perhaps they somehow deserve the abuse they receive. Abusers can be quite controlling, and often skilful at making their victims feel responsible. The truth is that no one deserves to be abused by another, and abusers are responsible for their own choices and actions. The good news is that the Bible offers comfort, not guilt, for the victims of abuse. In some situations in which the problem gets unmanageable, people should not be afraid to seek outside help. And so to finish today, how unfortunate that some cultures all but contone abuse of women. Why should no Christian ever fall into that kind of behaviour, regardless of what their culture allows? Thursday, June 6, Forgiveness and Peace Matthew seven twelve in the CEV, that's the contemporary English version, reads Treat others as you want them to treat you. This is what the law and the prophets are all about. Question. Think about all the ways in your own experience, within the family and without, in which you need to apply this principle – and on the lines below, write down just what those times might be and determine, by faith, how you can do just that. The writers of Hebrews counselled, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord, in Hebrews 12, verse 14. Even when we take all the steps necessary, some people who have hurt us will still not listen and change. Perhaps some may offer an apology, but others will not. Either way, it is to our benefit, especially when it is a family member, that we take the journey of forgiveness talked about earlier. In fact, forgiveness is an essential part of conflict resolution, especially in the family. When a person sins against us, God's enemy loves to place a wall between us and that person, a roadblock that prevents us from loving that person as Christ loves us. Forgiveness is a choice that we make to get around that roadblock. As we read in Ellen White's book Christ Object Lesson, page 251, we are not forgiven because we forgive, but as we forgive. The ground of all forgiveness is found in the unmerited love of God, but by our attitude toward others we show whether we have made that love our own. Wherefore, Christ says, With what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet, 
it shall be measured to you again, Matthew 7, 2, end of quote. At the same time, when we are the ones at fault, we need to try to restore the broken relationship with another person, which may involve going to the other person and telling them, him or her, that you regret what you've done and asking for their forgiveness. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 5.23-24. So, if you're about to place your gift on the altar and remember that someone is angry with you, leave your gift there in front of the altar, make peace with that person, then come back and offer your gift to God. It is nice when someone who has hurt us apologizes and asks for forgiveness. Likewise, it is nice when we give others the same type of care. And so to finish today, how does thinking about all that you need to be forgiven of help you learn to forgive others? Friday, June 7. From the book Adventist Home, pages 314 and 315, we read, Too often the parents are not united in their family government. The father, who is with his children but little, and is ignorant of their peculiarities of disposition and temperament, is harsh and severe. He does not control his temper, but corrects in passion. The child knows this, and instead of being subdued, the punishment fills him with anger. The mother allows misdemeanors to pass at one time, for which she will severely punish at another. The child never knows just what to expect, and attempted to see how far they can transgress with impunity. Thus are sown seeds of evil that spring up and bear fruit. End of quote. And from the same book, pages 195 and 196. Home is to be the centre of the purest and most elevated affection. Peace, harmony, affection and happiness should be perseveringly cherished every day until these precious things abide in the hearts of those who compose the family. The plant of love must be carefully nourished, else it will die. Every good principle must be cherished if we would have it thrive in the soul. That which Satan plants in the heart envy, jealousy, evil surmising, evil speaking, impatience, prejudice, selfishness, covetousness and vanity must be uprooted. If these evil things are allowed to remain in the soul, they will bear fruit by which many shall be defiled. Oh, how many cultivate the poisonous plants that kill out the precious fruits of love and defile the soul. End of quote. And that brings us to our two discussion questions for this week. 1. Read the following quote from a book about marriage by Clifford Goldstein, The Mules That Angels Ride, page 25. For we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin, Hebrews 4.15. Just as Christ put himself in our situation to best relate to us, we should do the same with our marriage partner. Try to view any given situation or crisis not just from your own perspective, but from your spouse's. 
see how he or she views the situation, how it has an impact on him or her, and why he or she would feel about it the way he or she does. This principle can go a long way in alleviating tough situations. End of quote. In what ways can we apply this principle to all areas of potential conflict with others? And two, in class, answer the question, Is anger always a sin? Defend your position. Inside Story Our mission story this week is titled Paying with Prayer and it's by Andrew McChesney of Adventist Mission. Chumba Samilla was being expelled from the University of Zambia. He owed 9,000 Zambian kwaka, about 900 US dollars, and he had no idea where to obtain the money. But Samilla wasn't going to give up. He was studying for a bachelor's degree at the public university while teaching at Rasanga Secondary School, a Seventh-day Adventist boarding academy in Zambia. Similar approached various people to ask to borrow the money. He looked for a way to sell his car, a maroon Toyota Volts. He prayed to God to intervene. Then he went to a bank in Monza, the nearest town to Rasanga Secondary School, to apply for a loan. He learned, however, that the bank had stopped offering loans. As he dejectedly left the bank, a friend called out on the street, "'Can I hire your car for twenty-one days?' Samilla looked up. "'There is a white man who has a daughter coming here for the holidays,' the friend said. "'He wants to travel. He asked me to look for a sound car, and I think yours will do.' "'That sounds like an opportunity,' Samilla said. "'What should I do?' "'Just take your car to the car wash,' the friend said." Samilla gave his car a good wash and met with the man who was spending several months with a friend in Monza. He said he wanted to take his daughter on a tour of Zambia and offered 12,000 kwaka to borrow the car for 21 days. The amount was enough to buy a second-hand car. I couldn't believe it, Samilla said in an interview. The man wanted to take the car on a Saturday. Samilla needed the money, but he refused, not wanting to engage in a business transaction on the Sabbath. No, we can meet on Sunday, he said, praying silently that the man wouldn't change his mind. The man agreed to pick up the car on Sunday and offered him the cash on the spot. Samilla promptly returned tithe and went to the university to pay his bill. He never was expelled and graduated in 2016. Now, more than ever, he believes in the power of prayer. Be patient and trust in God, says Samilla, age 37. You might struggle to do this or that, but he knows what you want. His appointed time always comes. The Rasanga Mission, where the secondary school is located, was established with mission funds in the early 1900s. Thank you for your mission offering. 
You have been listening to a reading of the Adult Sabbath School Bible Study Guide by Dr. Percy Harold from Queensland, Australia. This service is brought to you by Hope Channel, the Sabbath School Department and Christian Services for the Blind. Remember, God is always faithful.